No, I was totally the same when four came out. They're like, oh, yeah, four is great. I'm like, no, 3.5 is superior. What do you mean? And then five came along. I was like, no, Pathfinder (laughs) is so much better. You don't understand. But now I've gotten to that phase in my life where I'm like, no, they're, they're good for different reasons. Welcome to Dungeons and Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lilly, and that was a sample from today's conversation with Lucky Chanslin, a self-proclaimed serial hobbyist with over 15 years of experience in TTRPGs. Today, we talk about her many hobbies and get into some more obscure TTRPGs like Tales from the Loop, single RPGs, and then we go on to talk about anime cookbooks, doodling on stream, and so much more. If you'd like to hear a bonus episode with Lucky after the main episode, or you just want to support the podcast in general to help fund future endeavors, consider a donation over at patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. At the $5 level and above, you'll get access to exclusive bonus minisodes every single week that range in length from 15 minutes to full-length bonus episodes, as well as access to the entire catalog of previous bonus content. That's four additional episodes a month for only $5. So, if you enjoy our conversation today, don't forget to head on over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners and help keep this podcast ad-free. Now let's get on to the conversation. Welcome! Take a seat anywhere. We'll be right with you. As I said in the intro, we are joined today by Lucky Chanslin at Chanslin on Twitter. Lucky, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Like, these are just all of my favorite things. Yes, I'm excited because you've got a lot of experience ready to get to <laughs> on, in, on the entire spectrum of the topics that are covered in this show. So. Um, I, as I heard from one of your previous episodes, uh, I too am a hobby collector, so Ooh. I feel you. <laughs> Ooh, look at that. Got the, got the references already. Just jumping out the gate. You're going to make me blush, you know? Like, come on. <laughs> I gotta so, know who I'm talking to, and I'm just so excited. <laughs> well, thank you. I really do appreciate that. So for the for the uninitiated, uh, you uh, you have a Twitch, you have a TikTok, you have an, an awesome Instagram. You are all over the map. So please give the public a little introduction to Lucky and what you do. Yeah, so I am Lucky Chancellor. My moniker on pretty much everything is Chancellor. So if you see it on Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, all of those places, it is me. I am a serial hobbyist, but my problem with that is that I don't stop a hobby. I continue (laughs) to do more hobbies on top of the hobbies I already have. So I've done cosplay, photography. I also do, uh, I make dice. I love cooking and baking. I stream on Twitch. I play video games. I love doing all kinds of random art related things. Anything that allows me to have creative expression, I am all about it. That's yeah, that's uh, I'm into all of that. I'm into absolutely all of it. And uh, and I, you know, I've browsed through, you know, some of your your Instagram, your streams, and it, it, you really are just varied and talented. So much respect. Thank there. you. Yeah. Like people should check it out. Like the cosplays on TikTok are lit and uh, the like quality and skill in some of the baked goods and uh, drawings <laughs> and paintings and things all a very top notch. Thank you. So, uh, yeah. So kudos. Um, also read that you have uh, 15 years in TTRPGs. I so do. So let's start there. What what got you in? What's your what's your main mojo there? Uh, so I started playing tabletop in high school because the high school I went to actually had um, a cl- 
a tabletop club essentially after school that a couple of the math teachers would run. And so through them and through the groups there, I learned to play D&D. And I had a couple of groups that played D&D for a few years. And from there, it just spawned into all kinds of other tabletop adventures. My main one for the last decade or so has actually been Pathfinder. But I've been getting back into D&D 5e in the last, I think, like, I want to say about a year now. I've played in like four different games and I have one game that's been ongoing. And it's just, it's such a big part of my life. I love it so much. Do you often land more on the DM side, the player side, or do you have one of those healthy mixes that I hear about? I don't know what a healthy mix is <laughs> for me. Fair, fair. <laughs> but <Neither> I... <laughs> <laughs> It's that mythical unicorn that some people have referenced, but I don't really understand. I swear all of my friends are either just DMs or just players. I have very rarely met someone who has done both. I personally am just a player. Um, I want to DM, but I have to get over that hump of I'm going to be awkward and I don't know what I'm doing and this is embarrassing because I have a lot of friends that DM and they constantly message me and they're just like, how, do, how, am I, how am I doing? How's it going? Oh, I think my team hates me. Oh, my players are just having a miserable time. I can feel it. And I'm like, I don't want that anxiety, <laughs> but I want to like run a game. <laughs> I have just, I found that I have that anxiety on both sides of the table. I'm kind of like the Hulk. My secret's like I'm always anxious. <laughs> but then nobody, everybody else is like, I think you were doing fine. Like, what do you have to be anxious? There, You did nothing wrong. And I'm like, really? Because inside I was crying in a corner <laughs> the entire time. Oh my gosh, that is me with every stream game that I play because, you know, you're live and so you're in front of a bunch of people. Sometimes you've only just met those people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, they all hated my character. I did a terrible job. I'm like, no, you're great. I'm like, don't lie to me. Yeah, stop this. <laughs> stop this right now. You, you don't have to do this just to make me feel better. I don't yep. need that. <laughs> I'm working. I'm working on self-worth. I know. Uh, I'm uh, trying. <laughs> but having what, nearly like over two decades of me being like, no, I'm not good to being like, well, maybe I'm good. Maybe, maybe I'm sometimes I'm okay. <laughs> like <laughs> I've gotten to the I'm okay level. Like, yes. Like I'll accept that. But if somebody's like, no, you're really good. I'm like, nah, like, mm. come on, come on. <laughs> I think one of my phrases for a while was I'm better than okay, but I'm not great. <laughs> that, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> So you mentioned being in a lot of stream games as like a and having a new character. So are you playing a lot of stream games that are like pickup style games where you're on other people's streams or having a bunch of new people in? Like, what does that look like? Um, a lot of the ones that I've been joining have just been one shots. And I typically have been I've been invited to a good chunk of them. And then a few others I actually like applied for. They had an application process and it was just a group of people that I really admired. I was like, oh, it'd be so fun to play with them. And some of the games were easy pickup games like um, the Power by the Apocalypse system is a pretty straightforward game that you only need like an hour of prep and you know what you're doing. Whereas other games I've joined have been like D&D &D and Pathfinder. And I'm like, okay, I need at least a week to figure out what character I'm playing. Especially when they're like, okay, everybody's going to start at level three. I was like, oh God, that's that's three levels of things I need to think about. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> so it's, it's varied, but every single one has been a one shot because my time as a serial hobbyist is not freely available for longer term yep. games I, at this I time. I feel that. 
it's almost like between two podcasts and hobbies that I, I'm like, man, I would love to just jump into a game. And I'm like, I, I agree, like much less a game that they're like, yeah, everybody's level 10 for this one shot. I'm like, nope. I don't yep. have a month to create a character. <laughs> <laughs> like, like level three, it's, I would also be like, a uh, week is cutting it close. I, yep. mean, I need like a 20 page backstory for oh my, my like gosh. 15 minutes of screen time, you know? like <laughs> I've definitely gotten to that point in tabletop like i've seen this meme go around and it's my one of my favorite memes where it's like oh a newbie player to tabletop they're like i wrote a 20 page essay on my character's backstory let me tell you the intricate details from the birth to where they are now and then it's like a veteran tabletop player i am a magical piece of bread that uses mage hand to carry me around <laughs> yeah. <And> that's it <laughs> yes that's it's like, I'm entire... just going to make stuff up on the spot. <laughs> yep, that's my entire show. I, I should, but I care too much about what I'm going to be. Like, I'm like, I want to be that person. It's like, yeah, I can play anything. I could just grab a role for race in class and not even worry about it. And I can make up something on the spot because I have DM skills. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, yeah, but but what if what if I maybe just tweaked their background a little? Maybe I, I rolled <laughs> for this, but that's not really what I want. Like, I'm already emotionally invested oh my in gosh. two random dice rolls. Like. That's kind of how I build a lot of my characters for some one-shots. It's like, okay, I'm not going to think about their backstory. And then as soon as we get in the game, I'm like, I'm in love with my character, and I need to play them more now. <laughs> yep. You can't let them just... They'll, they'll, they'll stop existing if I stop thinking about them. Pretty like. much. Because that's a big part of tabletop for me is having that connection with your character. Mm -hmm. Like you might not be in the same moral alignment as your character or your character might do things that you would never do. But at the end of the day, there's still that feeling of connection and love that you have for them that you're like, I I love my character regardless of how amazing or terrible they are. Like I made them. They're my baby. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I put it's I think some of that for me is the the same thing that comes out in art but in a way that because for me it's a lot of theater of their mind a lot of visualizations like making a piece of artwork whether it's a sculpture or a painting or anything else is always very difficult because it never comes out the way i saw it in my head right but for a character they always exist kind of in this state of perfection And so I kind of cherish them a little bit more than I would like a sculpture or a painting that I can find flaws in. I can kind of hold the character in this kind of like semi-perfect state. And so I I just like, oh, but I love them because they're one of the greatest things I've ever made that no one will ever see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes, exactly. I just uh, I just can't imagine playing a tabletop and not loving your character in some capacity. Like there's just. I just can't get into playing a game if I don't enjoy who I'm playing. And so, I, yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. It's just, they're everything. <laughs> yeah. So do you have some, like, whether it be something that's, like, super long ago or something more recent, do you have a character that you connect with, like, I don't want to say more than the others, but, like, do you have a current favorite? Uh, my current favorite has to be my... I have two, actually. My Pathfinder character, Zizix, he is a little leaf fleshy, so he's just like this little bush with arms and legs. Oh and my god, yes. I instantly he... <laughs> got a tangela. Like, like yeah, kind of. Like, yeah. <laughs> and um, he 
play he's a bard and so he plays a kazoo that's like his main thing Aww. and every yeah i was like and nobody can hate him for it like this is the precious thing and he carries like a little ukulele because that's like the biggest type of instrument he can right. actually use and he is just sassy and fun and sweet all at the same time and he collects all of the shiny things and so he just has all the money because he's like i don't have a reason to buy stuff like i'm a plant i don't need things (laughs) and so people are just like oh i don't have any money for this and he just comes out of nowhere and ruffles through his leaves and pulls out money and gives it to you (laughs) and they're like what why do you have this and then he just like walks away mysteriously (laughs) yeah don't say anything (laughs) yeah So he's just my favorite because of just his little quirks and how small and adorable he is. Whereas in the D&D game I'm playing, I'm playing a Fearbolg and she's like 240. She was born in this forest. She lives, she's been alone for a long time because she got separated from her tribe and hasn't been able to find them. And in that time, she actually got essentially adopted by um, owl bears and so she's like a friend of the owl bears the owl bears are her family and she bonds with them and she like cares about this forest but she's very tired of all of the like other humans and elves and dwarves because they keep coming into her forest trying to take like the plants and the trees and she's like okay this really needs to stop y'all are interfering with my animals i can't be having this and we're playing the Frostmaiden campaign, the Realm of the Frostmaiden, and so everything's still cold and everyone's trying to figure out like what's going on. So she's like, okay, I'm only on this journey because I care about my owlbears and my forest. I don't actually care about anything else. So everybody's just like, okay, what are your thoughts on this? She's like, I don't care. I just want to get this done. <laughs> like she's I want to go home. Basically. And take a nap. <laughs> She's like, I am 240 years old. I don't care. I've been here long enough. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so so I do have to ask uh, for Zizix, how many shrubbery jokes do you all get? Of all of them. I make all of them. <laughs> okay. I was like, is there like, at per? is it on a per episode, per minute? Like what rate are we talking shrubbery jokes? <laughs> Anytime that we're just in any situation that can involve the shrubbery, I will interject. <laughs> I will jump in. It's being just one of my favorite things. It's just uh, how shrubbery. often. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and people will look at him and be like, oh, what is your little friend? And I'm just like, I'm a shrubbery. <laughs> have you have you ever been a te- like, because with the the kind of classic trope of like halfling, dwarf, or gnome being thrown by a barbarian, um, I feel like there's a space here. Have you ever been attempted to be bought or sold? Like, like, put um, you in a pot and, like, <laughs> <laughs> like secret way into the rich person's hideout is, like, super rare plant here. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, actually. There have been a few instances where um, I will try to figure out a way to sneak into someone's home. They're like, oh, yeah, they have a gardener. I'm like, cool. I'm going to hide in the back of their, like, tr- their little caravan that has all these plants. And I just stick my arms and legs inside. And I look like a bush. You would never know. And one of the other tricks with him is he wears a flower on his head, like a big flower, but he can change them with other flowers that he has inside his leaves. Right. And so that's his disguise is that he'll just walk (laughs) over to another bush and just like swap his flowers. And then people will never know that I'm a different bush or I'm actually a Leshy. (laughs) Yep. That's a, that's an awesome character. I, I need to look up Lushies. 
They're um, the most precious because they can go from like super freaking adorable to like these atrocious monsters. Yeah. Like there is a range with them. That uh that sounds super awesome. I it's one of those things where like I really Pathfinder is such a crunchy system, but it also just has so many of the things that like kind of like cherry picked all the best stuff from 3.5 mm-hmm. without taking the 300 books of stuff in 3.5. Yeah, because I started on 3.5 and then I swapped over to Pathfinder and I realized that one of the biggest reasons I swapped to Pathfinder is because of how accessible it was at the time. Like when I started playing tabletop, you know, there weren't websites for this stuff. There were like... Yep articles that people have written in their live journal or something like that (laughs) yeah but pathfinder had their own website where most of their stuff was freely available so if i needed to create a character i could just go to their website they had it laid out with like here's you know what you do at each level here's what they get for feats and so it was just easily accessible for me and a lot of my group members to get into it and so i was just like all right i guess i'm switching to pathfinder and it totally was a crunchy system, but Pathfinder 2E came out about a couple years ago, and it's such a vastly better system. Like, it's significantly less crunchy. It has a lot more things laid out easily. Like, I love it. And then in conjunction, I started playing 5E because I tried playing 4. Could not do 4. I yep. hated 4. I know some people love it, but for me personally, I could not do 4. Yep. But five, I'm like, ooh, five is like a superior system for me. I enjoy <laughs> it a lot. So playing both Pathfinder 2E and D&D 5E like next to each other, I'm just like, they have ver- they have a lot of similarities that balance out. And I would not say one is better than the other. It just right. comes down to personal preference at this point. Whereas back in the day, I'm like, no, this one's significantly less crunchy than that one. <laughs> right. I think I was a little bit of a snob for a while. And, and oh. like, I, was, it, I was a 3.5 snob well into 5E being a thing and like the first person that was like yeah let's play we play 5e and i'm like nah come on now do we though should do we really need a new sit and like first get in i'm like i don't like advantage where's my modifiers i like i don't know a month later i'm like oh my god i don't do any math all give me adva- advantage disadvantage is the best system ever like, <laughs> no i was totally the same when four came out they're like oh yeah four is great. i'm like no 3.5 is superior what do you mean and yep. then five came along i was like no pathfinder <laughs> is so much better you don't understand but now i've gotten to that phase in my life where i'm like no they're they're good for different reasons <laughs> yeah i'm definitely kind of reaching that point where i'm like oh your system uses like 3d6 and 1d12 like let's bring it uh, cool awesome i'm in like <laughs> yep the only i've played shadow run and i hated shadow run that like talk about crunchy i had yeah. one role that was like oh you need to roll 40 d like 40 d10s i'm like why do no. i have to i'm not gonna add all of that no where is my automated like computer rolling system because exactly. i'm not counting 40 dice and then the other system i played was earth dawn and who that was the weirdest system because as you leveled up your dice like instead of just being like oh you get an extra d20 or you get to do this it's more like you're at this level so you get a d12 and a d10 oh you've increased now you get two d12s oh now you get a d12 and a d20 i'm like i can't keep track of this ladder system (laughs) yeah i like things that have a more like even i feel like i'm starting to lean towards like single dice systems Mm-hmm. where like it's all d6s or it's all d10s like I, I think that like successes and failures like white wolf style systems are really good and and i feel like that it just 
unification across the rules so that it's very yes. quick and easy to pick up. Yes, but that's I also really liked um, uh, Tales from the Loop. I thought is a really. I've fun heard system. good things yeah. about that one. I have not tried it yet. It's on my list. It's really good. I, I okay. like it because it's it takes the story focus of like five E and then cranks that up to eleven. Like it's oh, okay. all it's all like you don't die. You have various mental states that you're in. Right. And so like and but then so then you also don't heal. You have like to heal. You have to have a role play session with another character that like checks in on you. Like, hey, are you doing okay? Let's sit down and talk about this. And all of a sudden you heal because like it's all about your mental state. And I thought that that's a really cool way to help encourage that role play is interactions. So cute. I love that so much. And I'm definitely moving that up the list to try. Yeah. It's very, like, it's, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was to say, um, like it gives me similar vibes to the. Powered by the Apocalypse System games that I played. Um, I did a heist game, and then the most recent one I've been playing is City of Mask, which I super adore. But I realized in the last, like, five years or so that I've become very much a theater of the mind person. And so games that lend more to theater of the mind tend to have, like, a unified dice system of just, like, you just use D6s, and that's all you need. I'm like, that's perfect. I love that. It's, we're going to keep doing this. <laughs> but... Oh, the idea of like incorporating mental health in a way of healing is such a great idea. Well, and it's 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 very much so like it doesn't have to be played that way, but I really like that it leans into playing any of the like 80s kids movies. It's it's just a way to play through like everything from Goonies to The Explorers or Flight of the Navigator, like any of these movies where you're a bunch of kids having a kid adventure is kind of like it's like 80s kid adventure but with some sci-fi and magic kind of thrown in and so i love that it just you don't have kids in like the goonies aren't breaking their legs and stabbing people right like <laughs> they're using clever traps and like it's very kind of home alone right that nobody right. really there are lethal things that happen but nobody actually gets hurt right they can but you can but you can get messed up if you're scared like if you're scared of the dark that can stop you from moving forward and that's your kind of injury table kind of thing oh that's so cute oh yeah. i really love that a lot I'm so definitely like playing kids that. on bikes and like like just being able to play through things like et or flight of the navigator as like a group of wayward awkward kids and you like every like when you build your character i think you get like one or two like focuses but they're really vague and broad so like you can be the techie geeky kid who is kind of the batman always has always has a gadget to to handle a situation or you can be the the strong sassy like uh you know tomboy kind of character or what like like and you get one or two special abilities that you can use and you get like a key item and your key item like has always gets an extra success when you find a way to use it and like and you have a home base can be like a tree house if you all meet in the tree house you all heal up and it's oh, that like is so i love adorable. it it's so adorable oh my gosh yeah. yeah i'm definitely gonna have to bug one of my gms to do this because i'm not gonna play make the game i'm gonna play yeah. the game not make the game right right <laughs> no yeah if you can if you can get somebody to run tales from the loop it is a great system if you are interested in um seeing a playthrough that is in tales of the loop uh 
Well, there's also I haven't watched it yet. There's also an Amazon Prime show based on the TV or the TTRPG. Um, I was going to ask because I've watched a, the first two or three episodes. Right. And those are like I enjoy the show. I need to finish it. It's just such an interesting and wild concept and so I'm very curious about how it ties into the RPG. A lot of the like I've only seen like the the teaser trailers and whatnot. Um but a lot of the art from the book is very well mimicked in at least a couple of the scenes. Like the, yeah, the book I've seen has a couple of comparisons. Art. It's really pretty. So I'm interested in watching that show just to see, you know, the framings of stuff. Yeah. But, uh Jesse Cox does or did a series called Oddballs. Um uh, you could find it on YouTube and it is a really it's it's not strictly Tales from the Loop, but it uses that system. It's kind okay. of a homebrewed version of Tales of the Loop. And it is such a it's such an interesting way to play and it is so narratively focused. And I like I personally like Jesse Cox is one of my heroes. Like he is he is amazing and the cast of characters are all great. And they all just lean in so deeply into being vulnerable and expressing their characters like hearts and emotions and like leaning into being at you know the age range is like eight to 14 because you kind of like age out at like magic stop like you stop hearing santa's bells you know Mm -hmm. to a certain age kind of thing so like things are more magical when you're a kid which i feel like is true yeah and absolutely and like all of the characters all the actors great fun time awkward and funny and he's the one that taught me i talked about this i'm not sure if it was in the last episode or the one before uh he taught me to do uh theater of the mind as a television show where and what i mean by that is that you like it's okay for the dm to describe things that the players can't see and it's okay to describe how the camera moves through a scene like introducing the characters as like you know you can introduce the villain first before the characters meet you introduce a shadowy figure working in a lab like with that camera pans around a dark room green green light flashes you know and and a clawed lizard-like hand you know brushes some chemicals to the side and then cut to the camera you know flying overhead like a drone view behind a truck in the back of the truck, you can see a few kids and, you know, it's traveling down a gravel road towards this small town. And there's a there's a green tint to the sky as lightning strikes overhead. And as the camera zooms in, we see the three kids in the back of the truck introduce your characters. And oh, my like, gosh, that was amazing. I love that. Yeah, Just like like giving and, and being able to have these interludes where you stop the action to show something that foreshadows or gives exposition in a way that the characters like the the players get to have fun with because i think that television a lot of a lot of D is expressed like novelization and television is such a huge like it's a, a lot of theater of their mind we experience as tv and so being able to describe camera cuts screen wipes transitions flashbacks like things that are happening that the characters don't know about but the players could be interested in to help drive the story forward without railroading like keeping the interest in the villain by showing the villain up front 
and before anybody even knows what's going on, suddenly now there's intrigue. What was the lizard hand? What are these chemicals? And you may not know anything for several sessions, but you can always interlude with these little, it can also set up, if you don't have a cliffhanger that your players are in, then set up a cliffhanger on the other side that they get to see and build that enticement. Oh, I love that so much. I know that me first joining a tabletop would have struggled with that because uh, metagaming was definitely a problem that I struggled with for the first like year or two where I was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. So like, why would you do that? I was like, because I know like, no, 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 (laughs) you, the player knows, but your character doesn't know. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) But oh my gosh, I'm like just excited about how that all went down because that that is like all up my alley of just yeah, it's an it's an amazing show it taught me so much like it i because i've played lot lots of mostly D or like future style stuff right like sci-fi stuff and seeing something run not just modern because i've played a little bit of modern but it's always a little hard to do because modern games instantly date themselves and we're too familiar with our own world to like suspend disbelief and so we try to metagame because we know the world, right? Right. But seeing it played like 1980s kids and just a totally different narrative style was something that, I don't know, like the Oddballs playthrough is something that taught me so many things about DMing that I took into every every other system that I've played since then. Like it was just a really fresh take on how to be a DM that I really appreciated. This sounds so up my alley. I'm definitely going to have to check this out because (laughs) this might inspire me to finally do my own game. Like Monster of the Week is a game that I've been wanting to run for the longest time. And I just, my fear of DMing just hasn't made me do it yet. But this, this sounds like it would be a great way to inspire me on how to go about starting it. Well, and if you DM differently enough, then there's no expectations, right? So now now you can just be held to your own, like, like this is my style, this is how I want to do it, and I don't have to, like, you don't have to be Matt Mercer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that guy. God bless him. He's, Seriously. We cherish him, but <laughs> I feel for him more than anything, like the amount oh, of I attention, like if I had that level of attention on me, I would yeah, be in no. therapy every day of the week. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I would have therapy sessions scheduled right after the game. Yep. That's that is so much pressure. Like, I'm already struggling to play a home game with just, like, four friends that nobody else is going to hear, much less on that level that he handles. Yeah. Millions. Yeah. Millions. <laughs> no, <thank> Critiquing <laughs> and judging and loving. And I couldn't take that much appreciation. I couldn't take that many trolls. I could. It's uh, like. God forbid oh, God. if this thing ever blows up, I'll just vanish on the internet. Like <laughs> That's like such a running joke with me and Twitch streaming. Cause like I love streaming on Twitch. I enjoy it. It's been such a fun way for me to connect with people and find people that have similar interests and just a way to make friends. But there's the joke where I'm like, if I ever hit triple digits, I'm out. Like if there's like a hundred plus people watching me, I'm gone. Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> exactly. Like our our Discord for for this show is still pretty small, and uh, and I keep it Patreon exclusive because I don't I can't handle a giant rush right now. It may open up eventually, but yeah, if it if it does, I'm I'm gonna need mods. I'm gonna have to hire people just to handle my social media presence because I can't. 
<laughs> oh yeah, that's the other struggle is just handling social media presence. Like I've had to basically I quit my Facebook account. I check in maybe once a month because I have family on there. And then Instagram, right. it's like I go there to post, but I hardly interact. So when people message me on Instagram, I just message them back. I'm like, what are you doing? Don't message me here. I can't. <laughs> this I can't is Instagram. Have... <laughs> we just sh- this is just yeah. pictures. Yeah. No text. I'm like, no don't needed. do this to me. <laughs> People like full do full messages with me on Twitter, and I'm like, no, 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 no. This is for like shower thoughts and random comments, <laughs> not not full conversations. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I just like to I like to stir the pot and troll occasionally on Twitter, and then right. post updates. Yeah, I saw your Tabasco like, post. Oh man, that that that, uh, that got <laughs> so this is this is gonna be kind of dated when this episode comes out. But I definitely had somebody share it that was like, "Don't think, take things too seriously. The real definitions of this are like this, that, and this, and the other." And I'm just like, I I so badly wanted to reply, but I was like, just let them, just yep. let them. It's, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> it's like you go ahead and have your feelings. Yep. But don't stand I love on that. your moral high ground. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love the irony of like don't take things so seriously, but then here they are. But they're taking the post. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like I get where if you don't know me or pay attention to my Twitter, where you might take that seriously, but <laughs> it's Twitter, so I don't know. I'm not famous <laughs> enough for any any of my things to be taken seriously. <laughs> like Oh my gosh, no. But if you want to have a hot take about my hot take, then okay. <laughs> yeah, right? I was like, okay, you have fun with like that. Like the whole thing starts with a pun. Like it's yes. a hot take about hot sauce. <laughs> like that's where, that's the land we are already in. <laughs> that's how you should already know. Yeah. Don't take this seriously. Just have conversations. Mm-hmm. Let's get into detail. It's like the same thing as is a hot dog a sandwich? It's like I'm not right. having a serious conversation about this. Like I want to hear your point of view. Let's discuss. Let's bring sure. things in and try to like But knowing that this is all we're debating this as a joke. Right. And that none of us actually care about this definition. Right. <laughs> I was like, at the end of the day, I'm not gonna be like, all right, yes, hot dog is a sandwich, end of story. This is how I'm gonna live my truth forever. It's like no. <laughs> I just want to I just want to stir the pot and make people angry about something that's really right. irrelevant. I want I wanted an, an uncomfortable definition. Yes. I just <laughs> I just want to bring something that we don't care about into our lives for fun. It distracts mm-hmm. us. It's a thing that we can enjoy. If you're getting really heated about it, I need you to like take a step back and think about right. why this makes you and mad. Maybe maybe analyze yourself a little bit about why you are so concerned yes. with the like the etymology of this word. And like, well, actually it comes from sixth century India <laughs> and the root means that the bread is like, no, don't care. Don't care about it. Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> So we are on the, we, we, we're in the food topic now. It wouldn't be Dungeons and Dinners if we didn't touch here. And in addition to streaming uh, TTRPGs and one shots, you have food and drink streams as well. I do. It's become a thing that I only started late last year. And it's because I have a thing on my channel where certain people, when they have been subscribed for 12 months, I will send them a little goodies package of just baked goods. And um, through that, I typically try to send like at least two or three different things. I don't want to just send you like, here's just brownies. It's like, no, here's brownies and cookies and something else. And so I made that into a stream where I was like, okay, I'm just going to bake all the things I'm going to be sending out to people. You know, we can hang out and chat while I do this because I just, I'll be in the kitchen for a while. 
Yep. And since then, it's kind of spawned into, I have always loved food. I grew up with food. I baked with my grandmother since I was like three. It's just been such a big part of me. And I was like, you know what? I want to be able to share in this. I want to help bring a little bit more representation to food because one of the big things I've noticed with food is that it's very westernized in a lot of places. Like I've bought video game cookbooks and, you know, one of them is like the Fallout cookbook. I super enjoy it, but the majority of it is like Western dishes. And I was like, I feel like you could have incorporated other cultures into that book just because it's such a wide variety of games. The game allows you to have different like ethnicities from the get go with how you create your characters. So I'm like, I feel there could have been more to this. And so that's kind of how it like spiraled into my food channel of like, let's explore other cultures. Let's discuss different cultures and their food and how we enjoy them, what we like, what it is about these kind of foods that I enjoy. And from there, I was able to connect with other people who were able to share in their cultures. And I was like, this is everything I've ever wanted. And I love it so much. And so um, through that, <laughs> I'm going to be starting something new in uh, I want to say in a month or two, because I'm still kind of working out the details, is I bought a lot of these cookbooks and I don't go through them enough. And so I'm going to have like a little segment called Roll for Recipe, where I'm going to write down Ooh. recipes from each book that I've been thinking about on a sheet of paper that's like a D20. And I'll just roll a D20 to determine which one I'm going to do on the next stream. And I'm hoping from there I'll be able to open suggestions from the community where they can be like, okay, but you need to add this ingredient or these things. So I'll have a separate sheet of like challenges and I'll roll Ooh. another dice to determine what I have to incorporate with that recipe. So so what do you what do you do on critical hits and misses? I have not figured it out yet. Are you, are you gonna like are you gonna like throw that to the crowd or like <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I have a feeling options. I'm gonna have like a jar of terrible ideas that the community has suggested to me because my go. community is very cursed. They love to just bring <laughs> curses to community. my life. Right. It's, right. <laughs> and so therefore I'm going to have probably like a redemption system where people can suggest like, Oh, here's an idea for like a critical hit or a critical miss. And I'm like, cool. I'll write that down, throw it in the jar. And then if I ever roll that, I'll just grab one randomly from the jar and hope for the best. <laughs> yep. That sounds great. That sounds awesome. And and a couple of months from now will be about when this episode's going live. So make sure that people are uh, checking that out because it may be something that's already out there right now. So Yeah, that's right. You're totally yep. on point with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I am all about supporting it. Um, I, it. I love that. I, I think that you bring up a really good point on westernized food in cookbooks and i would and maybe this is again we're kind of in hot take land maybe i'm just a little extra caffeinated this morning but i feel like there's a lot of like cisgendered heteronormative like not necessarily that the that the food itself is that like is gendered but that it just feels in that same sense that it's very um cautious that cookbooks do not want to take risks. They don't want to offend anybody. So they're trying to nail this kind of, uh, I don't know, an audience that, the, the audience that used to pick up cookbooks is different from what it is now, but I don't think that the culture of cookbooks has really caught up to that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree because 
that's my thing with all these cookbooks that I've been getting is that a lot of them just kind of feel the same. Like a lot of them have very similar recipes. They have very similar levels of difficulty. Like very few of them feel adventurous. And it's almost like I feel like I bought the same book five times. Why did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> yep. But and I've been noticing I, like a difference with a lot of these books is that some of them recently have started to become a little bit more adventurous in what they have to offer. Like I bought the anime cookbook, which I think has been super fun to check out because it has all of these recipes and some of them have easy level of difficulty. Some of them are a little bit more advanced and then they go into detail about how many different animes this particular food dish is featured in. So you can like watch that anime. So like one dish will be in like 20 different animes and they list all oh, wow. of them. And I'm like, this is so cool. Like these are the things that I'm looking for. And right. I don't need somebody's grandmother's backstory and 10 paragraphs of that. Right. If you're going to give me text like that, give me something interesting. Yes. Exactly. And um, let me, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Let me find it real quick. Because there's one cookbook that I thought was really impressive. And it is by Justin Warner. He is one of my favorite, like, celebrity chefs, so to say, because He's roughly like in my age group and he makes a lot of references that I've picked up on. And I'm like, this is really cool. He's, so, he's uh, YouTube, right? I have is that, is that no the same idea. Guy? I don't uh, think so. Okay. I'll, it, it may not be. Oh, no. I may be thinking of like Weissman. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Joshua Weissman. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was Adore like, him wait, too, wait. though. <laughs> yeah. He's great as well. Well, like he's in our age group. Like, yes. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, Justin Warner. Uh, I went through a binge where I was watching like guys grocery games and like all of those food shows because they're just fun and justin warner is a celebrity chef on a few of them and he recently wrote the marvel eat the universe the official marvel cookbook for the marvel comics and the thing about justin is that he's very like eclectic with his food styles he's not you know, hear how to make a bread loaf. It's he had to choose various characters through Marvel that he got to make all the different foods to represent them. And so one of them is like, oh, Captain America, Steve Rogers. And he made like a beef tongue like dish. He was like, oh, yeah, from the 19 like 20s ish period. Yep. This is something that he would have been able to like buy. It's not something that's very common. Let me break it down for you. Like why this is good, how to do it. And I was like, I've never heard anybody in like the last decade talk about how they had beef tongue for dinner. Like this mm -hmm. is really cool. And that's kind of how his whole book goes is he's like, let's, you know, break the barriers. Let's become a little more exciting. Let's appreciate all the different types of food. Like no food is better than the other. It's like food is right. food. Find your joy. It's the with same it. with music. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, it's the same exact thing where it's like, you may not like this particular style of food, but that doesn't mean that it's not good to somebody, somebody else. It's their favorite. Yes, exactly. And that's what I really and appreciate I, about that book. And I'm hoping for more cookbooks to kind of get in that direction. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I struggle with a lot is that I've taught a lot of people how to cook. And one of the things that I always try to do is I don't just teach perfection. I teach how to know when it's going wrong and what you can do to save it before catastrophic failure. Right. Like there's there when you get to this point, there's no saving it. If you have scrambled eggs and you're making creme brulee, it's it's over. But like there's ways <laughs> there's the ways to know. And like, what are the problem steps? 
right? Like a lot of recipes, they'll give you the grandma's history, ingredient list, and then steps. But they don't warn you, hey, this step is actually a little bit harder and and needs special attention to it. Or you have to do these three things kind of all at the same time. And it's like the, that type of information is all information that I would give somebody if I was showing them how to make it or that I would do if I was actually doing it. Mm-hmm. I would take the time to slow down. I'm not going to cut vegetables right now. I'm going to focus on getting this piece just right. And when the saute is perfect, then I can, you know, I deglaze the pan and now it's going to have, it's got to bring back up to a boil. So now I can ignore it, you know? Yeah. But like that type of information is not in a lot of recipes. And I think that that's something that I want to see or just substitutions. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you need some really rare ingredient that you're never going to find. Like I, I do like the more cultured cooking yes but i'm in the central midwest we don't have culture here no we don't not (laughs) know and so if you're gonna if you're gonna say like i have to have a specific thing for a specific flavor are there other ways that i can get to that flavor that maybe are not as traditional but still work right and yeah it's just give me that kind of that's more important to me than the smell of your grandma's farm like (laughs) it's it's so true um i think one of the that actually made me think of this um i did blue apron for like a couple Mm. of months just for fun i just wanted to see what it was like like i knew how to cook not sponsored (laughs) not sponsored no ads nothing but i was just curious about it because i had a couple friends who tried it and i was like you know what i'm very curious just to see how it works and like what they're doing And their recipes were really cool because they actually made it like each step was okay for step one, you're going to go ahead and dice your veggies after like while you're dicing your veggies, but like before you do it, go start your pan. So it's heating up and also do like these three other things that you can do all at the same time. And I was like, wow, this is actually like informative in terms of how to help people understand the basics of how to cook, how Mm -hmm. to manage your time in the kitchen. So that way you can be more effective. Cause I know that's a thing that a lot of people run into as well when they're following dishes is like, oh, I finished this, but now it's going to get cold while I finish this other thing. And it's like, well, if you had done these things at the same time, they would have come out at the same time. But how would you have known? (laughs) Like this recipe doesn't tell you that. (laughs) I think also a warning for how messy a recipe is. Oh my gosh. It's like people seem to think that like homemade biscuits is not just a way to destroy your kitchen. Like... (laughs) Like, it may be a one-pot recipe, but you're going to have to use six cutting boards. Like- oh, my God. Yeah, the one-pot, one-pan stuff cracks me up because I'm like, I mean, yeah, it all goes into one pot, but I've actually used six different cutting boards because I'm not cutting mm-hmm. my chicken on the same board that I'm cutting right. my vegetables. Like, And I'm not going to take the time to wash the one board to use it. Like, I'm yeah, just going to no. move them along. Yep. <laughs> and then at the end, it's just a horrible mess. There was a tornado mm-hmm. that came through. Sorry about it. <laughs> so I, I'd like a warning. I'd like a because I sometimes I care about the timeliness. Like, sure, twenty minute meals are great. Yeah. When I need a twenty minute meal, they're almost right. never twenty minutes because there's also forty eight minutes of prep time. Yeah. But like, like any Asian dish, that's like, yeah, it cooks in five <laughs> minutes. Yeah, it cooks in five minutes. But you just had to hand roll a hundred dumplings. Welcome <laughs> to an hour and a half. Like. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, those. Oh, I feel that so much in my bones. I'm recalling all the so times like, that I've done those things, and I'm like, oh, yeah, was it just worth some it? warnings. <laughs> like, give me, give me some. But sometimes time doesn't matter. But I don't want a mess. 
Right. So like I may make a hundred dumplings because all it takes is a bowl of dumpling mix and wrappers yep. and that's it. <laughs> yep. Whereas they're like, oh yeah, make this stew, but that requires you to cut like 40 different vegetables and yep. you have to account for where all of that is. <laughs> well, and you have to braise this meat. So you need yes. to have a saute pan for this and then you need to deglaze with that, but you're going to have to make a roux separately like you also need like several bowls because you're gonna only brown the meat and then you need to put Mm -hmm. it in the bowl on the side but don't use that bowl for the other things no because we have to put this in the back in the fridge for a little bit to get it down to 10 but (laughs) do you have plastic wrap you need to wrap this yeah you need this wrap (laughs) but this needs foil in the oven while we we've got to you know get a crust on the potatoes you're gonna proof this so we need you to put it in the metal bowl not the glass bowl (laughs) But the glass bowl we're going to use on the stand mixer. For it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need some warnings here, people. <laughs> I don't know oh what I'm getting God, into yeah. sometimes. <laughs> Every time. Every time. That's why I always have to tell people, read your recipes first. Read them mm-hmm. all the way through. Do it. You might not understand everything. Yes. Yep. Just, just read your recipes. Don't just believe that it'll work. <laughs> like if you're going to, if you were going into DM a one-shot adventure it it helps if you've read the whole adventure first so that you're not like okay wait what happens when you guys do this yeah like you you at least have an idea what page you need to be on yes treat your recipes the same way yes because the amount of times that i've had a couple of recipes where i'm like oh this will be like i've done bread making before and i this looks pretty much the same it's fine and then I don't read it, but I go through and it's like, oh, now you're going to prove it a second time. I was like, wait, there's an extra like hour that I'm not supposed to do. Oh, no, this is going to be longer yep. than I expected. <laughs> Looks like dinner's at nine o'clock tonight, honey. <laughs> yep, basically. It's like, oh, I guess we'll just order food because this is going to take a while. <laughs> we did that with uh, we <clears throat> we smoked a, a, a pulled pork and. And I, I had never done it before. I, I go into this in one of my episodes, but like it, I was like, w- we've smoked it for like 12 hours and it's still not at temp. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. We'll just throw it in the crock pot overnight. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, that's awesome, <laughs> but but I'm hungry now. <laughs> right? It's like, I can't wait overnight. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. We'll just get some burnt ends off of it. We'll make a mac and cheese or something and we'll crock pot it overnight and do it for dinner tomorrow. I'm like, I... Okay, but I thought that this was tonight's meal. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are the worst. Especially, that's the other part about reading recipes is they don't include, like, deviations where it's, mm-hmm. so this took me, like, three hours to do, but you have to keep in mind that I'm in a higher elevation than you, so it might oh, take Lord. you, like, quicker or sooner. Who knows? I was like, please put your notes in there. Let me know I... what latitude and longitude you worked at, Okay. <laughs> I've dropped a pin in my Google Maps. <laughs> you can click this link. <laughs> I mean, like, I try to include, like, uh, measurement translations. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those things where it, depending on what unit of measuring you're using, that also, but also what you're measuring. Like, because right. some liquids you need to measure by weight and some you need to measure by volume. And... Then you've got two different systems. Like, why can't we just have one measurement system? 
Like, I don't even care which. I really don't. I don't. I believe metrics better for most things. Yeah. Temperature, I'm still a little off on. I don't think Fahrenheit's (laughs) great for temperature either, though. No. I think they're both wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I think they're both terrible. Both. Absolutely. But no. Same with calendars. The calendar is a mess. If we just get rid of the clock. (laughs) Yeah, the clock. Yeah. 60 minutes? What is that? Well, it's like base 12, base 12, base 60. Yeah. Like, what? no, into a base 24, into yeah, who a 30-day month. Like, no, if we're going to use 10s, let's use 10s for everything. Yes, please. <laughs> let's have you. like 100 minutes in an hour and like 10 hours in a day. I don't yes. know. Like, not, something like, like that. Fix it. <laughs> <laughs> make it make sense. <laughs> Or if we if we have to do it that way, teach kids non-base 10 math. Like start yes. with binary and then work your way up and get to base 60 where kids understand clocks. Like <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even think about it that way. But yes, oh my gosh, it, yeah. it really just contradicts what we're taught in school. <laughs> mm-hmm. the base tw- it's base 12. You go yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4 to 12. But and it's then like we learn with base 10. Yep. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's oh, I ridiculous. hate it. We're in a crazy it. world. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then in this TTRPG, oh. we're going to have an eight-day month with two sons. Oh, and- my gosh. <laughs> I had one game that was all homebrew. Like, he made everything in this game from scratch. And he was like, oh, yeah, your days have 27 hours. I'm like, I hope you're keeping track of that because I'm yep. not keeping track of that. Yep. Like Does 27? that change how long of a long rest we have to take? Is everybody's sleep schedule different now? Like, he was like, what does this mean for us? <laughs> does anybody really care? <laughs> I mean, good on you for calculating yeah. the planetary positions. Of right. <laughs> I was like, good on you bonds. for the detail and all this stuff. Like, I actually think that's really cool. But yeah. from a player's perspective, I'm like, does it does it matter? Because most of the time, I ask you what time of day it is. You're like mid afternoon. That's it. Like, there's no time for that. It's like mid afternoon. What? What? How are the clocks in this area? (laughs) Yeah. If I use a sundial, what is the sundial on? (laughs) (laughs) Is it on eighteen? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, does it set later then? Like, what is? I need to understand why. Why is this relevant to me as a player? But I do, I mean, it's not like I haven't also done, like, I try to make it simple, though. I'm like, 30-day months. All of the months have 30 days. Period. Yeah. And the no, moon see, that, phase... That makes sense. The moon phase changes on Sundays. Like, yeah, it's a lunar calendar. It always makes sense. Like, it's just very I, consistent. Because I can't track that kind of stuff. Like, right. It, <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like... Because, like I said, it's not that I... I'm upset with the GM or anything like that for choosing to make time different in their world. I just right. want you to make it matter to me. Right. Because yeah, it's like, like, I'm going to forget this unless I, it's important for something. I ran a lunar calendar specifically because the lunar phase impacted like every day. There was something to roll on. It was a it was a, a version of Dragon Mech, which was run in... Dragon Mech was originally a 3.5, I think it's Sword and Sorcery, uh, campaign setting for running the kind of the apocalypse in a fantasy world where like the moon has been pulled closer to the planet and the crust strips down and like rains down on the planet every night. So it's like pure, just constant chaos. But I, so I ran, a, I ran so cool, though. Yeah, I, I ran a version of that for uh, 5e, but like the phase of the moon mattered. 
because that would depend on how much lunar rain there was. Like, are there comets coming down? Like, full moon? Comets all over the place. New moon? Maybe just dust storms. Like, and so it mattered. And, of course, there was a lot of, like, lycanthropy and other everything had stuff to do with the moon and there's lunar alien type things involved so it mattered every day what phase the moon was in but like it was easy for me to track when weeks are five days there's four weeks in a month like that's it or or however five weeks or however i ended up doing it so you always know what phase the moon we're in and it doesn't matter what month of the year we're in all the seasons are the same because it's an apocalypse. It's always cold, dark, and snowy. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's all I have to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, that all makes sense. And from the player's perspective, I'm just like, yeah, that, that makes sense that I would need to know this, why it's relevant to my interest. Got it. I'm here. <laughs> so um, touching back, you did mention it briefly, but I, I do want to make sure we spend a little bit of time and give some credit there. So we've got cooking streams. We've got TTRPG streams. We've got art streams. <laughs> so again, I but I love that you're like you're capitalizing on your hobbies. Like I don't none of my I, I take pictures occasionally, maybe of the stuff that I'm working <laughs> on. <laughs> Sometimes I share them if I get that's a lot of steps to get to a thing getting shared. <laughs> oh, I totally understand. Yeah, I. Uh, one of my big things. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just realized my dog is snoring. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she is a loud snorer. She's a St. Bernard, so she's oh, very deep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, with art streams. So one of the things that I've been trying to do because I am a serial hobbyist is that I am one of those people that's, you know, buying art supplies versus using art supplies are two different hobbies. And so I was like, yep. you know what? I need to actually use the stuff that I have. I need to quit buying things. I need to just use what I got and kind of go from there. And so I decided to dedicate one night a week on my streams to art-related stuff in a way to help encourage other people as well to bring their art projects and just kind of talk with me about it. <clears throat> like, let's do stuff together. Let's complete things. It could be terrible. It could be great. Regardless, we're getting stuff done and it feels good to get stuff done. And especially with art, because a lot of the art is for you. So even if it's terrible, it's not going to hurt anybody. You feel at least accomplished that you completed it and you learn something from it. And so one of my big art stuff <laughs> on my channel is where my cursed community comes in. And I have redemption points to where people can request art doodles from me. And I made it a note that it's going to be terrible drawings. Like, I'm not going to put a lot of effort into it. I'm just going to doodle what comes to mind. And that's how we're going to go. And so I was expecting people to request silly little fun things. Like, I have some friends who have requested, like, oh, just draw me a flower. I'm like, oh, okay, that's really cute. But then I have other friends. It's like, I need you to draw chester the cheetah from hot cheetos as master roshi and i was like i don't what does that mean <laughs> this is a, one this is a doodle <laughs> yes i was like all right the more I'm complicated gonna... your request the less that's gonna hit the page <laughs> that's oh my gosh it happens so many times like one time somebody asked me to draw m bison from street fighter but me as m bison and i'm like i don't even know how to draw me so right. <laughs> Y'all are in for a treat. My with self this portraits one. are smiley faces. <laughs> yep. I was like, here's M. Bison with curly hair. <laughs> We're done. 
Oh, but that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's just my cursed community art nights. Other nights, I try to do the various art projects that I have going on. Um, my biggest focus in the last like year and a half has been dice making. And so uh, I haven't done any stream where I'm actually pouring the resin yet because it is just a very unsafe setup of there's how... a lot of steps that go into the, you need a lot of focus yeah and resin is just very dangerous um yep. just i'm gonna throw a psa out there for people who are thinking about getting into dice making or resin art for the love of all that is holy do not do this around kids do not do it yep. around animals don't do it around anybody do it in a space that is well ventilated have yourself like a full-on mask that's vapor mask not just yep. like you're kn95 that you wear to the grocery like a full-on vapor mask and wear gloves for the love of so everything and not like i have <laughs> i have a tape because i do 3d printing as well so and that's a very similar type it's y'all use uv cure resin so um yep 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 it's it's everything that's on that table is dedicated to that job so like i have separate tweezers clippers like cups anything anything that goes on that table is now corrupted by proximity it gets used for no other art and yep. i am not allowed to touch anything on that table without gloves yep like it's it's the gloves go on if i want those nippers too bad gloves yep, <laughs> yep. like i just i can't stress it enough that's the thing on like resin craft TikTok that stresses me out the moment I see it. If someone's like, oh, I'm just pouring resin and they're not wearing gloves. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I can't scroll fast enough. That made yep. me so anxious. So for the love of all that is holy for anybody listening in, please, 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 please put your health above all else with your arts and crafts. Mm -hmm. Do not do these things unless you are prepared. But uh, all that said... <laughs> I have it set up like a streaming setup outside and also just wearing a mask and trying to talk through one of those is very yep. difficult. So that's it's the only sanding reason. resin also. Yes. Wear a mask. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> wear a mask, wear your gloves because the little particles get on your hands. Mm -hmm. and, and you'll you eat can... them. Yes. They'll transition to everything. They gets, it gets the speed at which it gets everywhere. Yes. Is and ridiculous. Wear, like change your clothes afterward, mm -hmm. especially if you're doing something like that that's going to hold on to the fumes or the particles and wash them immediately. Like don't just wear it all day. Like don't yep. do this to yourself. Be, just but, be safe. Just because it's not like a molten lava that could instantly hurt you doesn't mean that it's not just as dangerous. <laughs> right. Oh, and with resins, the thing that a lot of people like to brag to me about is, oh, this resin says it's vapor free, so it's fine. It's like, no, we, I was part of a dice community for a long time and we looked into this. We've contacted the companies and every company has so much, pretty much been the same. Like, I don't have to talk to all of them at this point to know that this is exactly the same. They're vapor free until they're mixed together. So if you have a part A and a part B, yeah, yeah. you can keep them in the same room, open them up and you're fine. But the moment that they are mixed together, that is so dangerous for you, but they're not graded on that part because that's not what they're producing. What the company oh, produces yep. are what's part A bottle? and part B. Yeah, and that's all that matters. Exactly. When it's when it's in separate bottles, that's what has to be labeled. They right. can't they can't label the result. <laughs> no. Yeah. Because exactly. It doesn't come in a bottle. <laughs> exactly. So, so I'm like, don't don't believe what the companies are saying. They're just saying those things to try to get sales. They don't care. You need to understand that the moment you mix them, it's no longer their problem. If you get sick from it, it does not fall back on them. That is not their fault. That's like, like I learned. Um, this is somewhat related, and I'm not going to try to be all corporatocracy for too long. But uh, Tropicana orange juice or any of the major brands, whatever, not sponsored. 
uh, all taste the same and they have to taste the same. But they, if you want to say 100% pure oranges or whatever, then that makes the brain think like, oh, they're like fresh squeezed juice every time. But, but then how do you get it to taste the same every time? Because there's a very unique flavor to each brand. And how you do it is you basically extract... There are billions of dollars of research that go into creating all of the necessary chemicals, flavoring agents, and etc. from the orange juice to then recombine back into something that tastes like their brand. So like the juice is extracted, the pulp is extracted, everything is broken down chemically as far as it can go to then be reassembled into something that looks like orange juice. But it is as far as from orange juice as you can get. Oh, that is so weird. (laughs) But it's the same thing. Then they got to say like, it's 100% juice. Like, yeah, I'm 100% stardust too, but there's a lot more that goes into it. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. For just, just be safe, yo. Yeah. Just... Be safe out there. But um, so we've gone through a lot of topics, and I want to be courteous with your time. So I always try as much as I can to cede the floor to you. If there is anything that we haven't talked about, or anything that you want to shout out, uh, I give the rest of this episode to you. So um, anything that you have to say, the floor is yours. Um, I think one of my things that I've just been focusing on who I am as a person in the last decade or so is that I am Pacific Islander. And that's part of the reason I joined Twitch was because I love gaming, but I feel like finding other Pacific Islanders within the gaming sphere, both both within like video games and tabletop, is that I don't find a lot of them. And so one of my goals that has been going on for the last couple of years and one of the reasons I've really been on Twitch is because I want to help be a representation for Pacific Islanders. I'm not, I might not be the best representation. I'm not the only representation and I know they're out there, but I just want to be a representation and also be a way to help guide people who want to kind of try to explore that culture in an appropriate way. So um, I have done a couple of consulting things lately that revolved that tied back to my culture, and I'm always happy to help lend that information or discussions about it. And um, that's just that's just something that I just really enjoy because representation of all kinds is important in everything that we do. And the more that we can get it out there, be it you find someone who can fit that or find someone who can just help guide you to properly represent that, like you know, do it, do what you can to find that. And I just wanted to throw that out there that that is a big part of a lot of the things that I do. So you'll see with my dice, my own logo is specifically the monstera leaf and the plumeria because the plumeria is the flower that I grew up with. And the monstera leaf is one of the very popular tropical leaves. And then a lot of the characters I play, like one of the current D&D games I'm in, I have a character, she is an air genasi. And I specifically made one of her parents Pacific Islanders. So you'll see art of her with like the tribal tattoos because I find that to be incredibly important. So that's just a big thing and a running theme you'll see among everything I do is that I'm going to somehow tie it back to my culture. (laughs) That is epic. I think that is massively important. Also, I totally forgot because we have to shout this out. Um, You have done a massive amount of charity work as well. Um, oh. <laughs> so I want to make sure that that in the main episode is shouted out. Um, 
your 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 charity work is uh, is up on your Twitter and in some various other places as well. Huge, mad amounts of respect for the money that you have raised for various causes like Trans Lifeline, AHA Revive, um, AAPI stopping AAPI, AAPI hate, and Austin Area UL as well as I'm sure plenty of others that I'm not listing. So <laughs> I, I have serious shout out to the amount of money that you've raised and will continue to raise. So, you know, let us know when we can help with that as well. Absolutely. That's one of the big things that I really wanted to bring to Twitch as well is using my platform as a way to help uplift marginalized voices and other underrepresented, uh, underrepresented causes. And so um, charity work is a big thing that I just love doing. I haven't had a chance to do it for the last couple of months just because life has been super hectic, but it will be picking up again this last like quarter, two quarters of the year. So look out for my post coming up because I do have a couple of things that will be shared soon. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lucky, for coming on and joining me at the Dungeons & Dinners table today. God, I love having you on. You're such a blast. So. <laughs> this is super fun. Thank cool. you for having me. So that was all for the episode today. Thank you all so, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, consider clicking that star rating or dropping a review down on your podcast app of choice. It helps boost the algorithm to get to the algorithm gods, which who will then spread the love and joy to the ears of many new listeners. So it is always appreciated. All of the links and contact information discussed in this episode can be found down in the show notes. And if you want to keep in touch, you will find that I am most active on Twitter at and dinners. That's A-N-D-D-I-N-N-E-R-S. If you're interested in supporting the show or you want to hear the entire back catalog of exclusive bonus episodes like today's minisode where Lucky comes back to talk about spam, raining meat, luxurious meals, and more, or you'd just like to help keep this podcast ad-free, consider tossing a few coins over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. If you're looking for another great podcast to listen to, check out my other broadcast. It's called Pick Up Your Sticks. It's a long-form podcast about why gaming matters, co-hosted by myself and my dear friend Walker Near. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is the secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.